Good morning, church. My name's Jeremiah, if you haven't met me before. Um, I'll be bringing today's Bible reading today in Hebrews. Um, Before I bring us today's Bible reading in Hebrews, um, feel free to bow your heads with me while I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that is good and true, and that through it we can know more about you and your Son that brings us full assurance and faith. Lord, we pray now that, um, yeah, for our hearts to be changed by your word and our minds to be clear of anything that may hinder us um, today, as Zeke preaches, of anything that might be in distractions or unbelief, Lord. Lord, teach us now, um, as Zeke brings us your word, Lord, to build our lives on the promises fulfilled in your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So today I'll be opening up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 in the NIV version. Um, That is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25, starting from verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning, church. Uh, So good to be up here in a slightly different capacity than usual. Um, if you haven't met me before, my name is Ezekiel. You can call me Zeke. Um, but yeah, so glad to be up here. Just wanted to quick note and say that was very awesome. Um, praise and worship songs. I had a lot of fun there doing the actions. And also that first song was also really good for today. So, all right, well, let's get into it. Um, when I was 13 years old, I started a new, at a new school. It was a new school year. I stepped into the gates of the school and I was very, very excited because not only was it just a new school year, it was a new school. I looked all around me, took a deep breath. I was ready to go. I was ready to start studying. I didn't know where I was going. No idea where the classrooms was, but I was ready to go. But it didn't take long and then the schoolwork started. Homework piled on. Exams were stressful. And after a few months the shine started to wear off. Fast forward 12 years later, 25 years old, I stepped out of the lift into the lobby of my office for a new corporate job. Full of optimism, again, ready to go, make an impact. But as the work piled on, clients were stressful, deadlines were near, the shine started to wear off. Now, we don't need big life stages for this to happen. I'm sure with all of us every single year, New Year rolls around, we make plans to exercise more, uh, you know, pay off the debts, see family more. 
And after a few months, the shine starts to wear off. And the Christian life is just a bit like that as well, isn't it? When we first come to know Christ and the great promises, we're full of optimism, ready to go to church, ready to live a new way of life, free of all the burdens of sin, serve in church, life group, go to church camp. But as life goes on, the homework piles on, work gets stressful, bills need to be paid. The world hits us from every angle. We don't know what to believe anymore. The shine starts to wear off. Well, today we'll be looking at the Bible and what it says, and in particular the book of Hebrews, about how we should live, persevere in the faith as Christians, and when the shine starts to wear off, what we're supposed to do about it. I'll be looking at this in two sections. The first is a reminder of who we are. The second, what we should do about it. So again, that's who we are, and second, what we should do about it. So who we are. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What a long sentence. So... I remember when I first turned 18. I don't know if you guys can remember back to when you first turned 18. I felt like a king. And why was that? Because I had a driver's license that confirmed I was 18. I could walk into any restaurant, any bar, unrestricted, places I couldn't go when I was 17. And no one could take that away from me because I wasn't turning back to 17. I was 18. Now, here in verse 19... The author of Hebrews is reminding Christians of the same thing. Brothers and sisters, you have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Confidence. And where are we entering into? What is the most holy place? Well, it's easy for us today to think straight of heaven, which isn't wrong. But this book was written for Jewish Christians at the time who were going through hardships. And to them, their minds would have jumped straight to the image of the most holy place, or what you call the Holy of Holies. This was the innermost room of the temple in Jerusalem where they worshipped. So up here we have an image of a diagram um, of the Holy of Holies. So it's kind of a bit like a babushka doll. You've got the outer courts, then you've got the inner courts, then you've got a court of men of Israel, the court of the priests, the nave, and right in the, mid, in the very end is the Holy of Holies. Coming into this place was like coming into the presence of God. It was so overwhelming, so intense, that only the high priest could enter once a year. After a whole cleansing ritual where a bull or goat would have to be sacrificed, the high priest would enter that once a year to ask for Israel's sins to be forgiven. And he'd have to do this every year. If you have been driving along at night, minding your own business, then a big SUV pulls up behind you, there is no brighter light in the world than that SUV, I tell you that. You become blinded, disoriented, no matter which way you move your head, you can't get out of the light. Well, imagine if there were 20 SUVs behind you, shining into your eyes. That's what encountering God is like in the Old Testament. 
God is so holy, so perfect, that when we try and face him with, with our sin, we're completely blinded and overwhelmed. We can't stand. We're disoriented. God's holiness is so overwhelming that a thick curtain had to be made to separate the holy of holies from the rest of the temple. You see, when our sin held us back from entering this room, it had to be atoned for year after year by the priest. We could never come close to God, and we didn't deserve to. But now, by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, a sacrifice that was once and for all, better than any millions of boats or uh, bulls or goats, not boats, we have access to the most holy place. We haven't just been allowed to show our sorry selves into the waiting room, into the courts. We have complete confidence to enter into God's house as if it was our house. And that's just not an ID card. That's VIP access. And what's even better, this VIP access never expires. You're not going back to being 17. And that's what the author of Hebrews reminds us. That when life is hard, it seems like no one agrees with what we believe. He's saying, don't forget, this is who we are. We're children of God. Washed clean of all sin. We have complete confidence to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So knowing who we are, what should we do about it? Let's move on to part two. And there are three things that the author of Hebrews encourages us to do. The first is this. Let us draw near to God. Now, Trish and I have been married for about two years now. And if there's one thing I've learned during that time is that she needs to tell me about her day. And that's fine. But it doesn't matter whether it was a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing. If I'm at work, I'm catching the bus. As long as she's finished her work for the day and I'm lucky enough to pick up the phone, she will tell me all about her day. Unfiltered, unrestrained. I don't even ask how I am. She just goes, blah, 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 blah. And she does that because she trusts me that I'll listen and that she has complete access to me. Am I talking every day? Her talking every day? We actually grow our relationship from that. And that's much the same with God. So since we have confidence, and since we have a great priest in Jesus, what should we do now? Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. So what does it mean to draw near to God? Drawing near to God is simply to be in a close and intimate relationship with Him. We should get near to God, have fellowship with Him, and not settle for Christian life at a distance. Drawing near to God is not about doing something every week, not doing something physical like going to church or praying or giving money once a week. It's not about doing things to please God. It's we draw near to God because we can. And how do we do this? Same way as you would draw near to any other person you want to get near to. Talk to them. Get to know them. 
Find out what makes them tick, what they enjoy. And how do we do that with God? Pray. I want to ask you now, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you brought to God all of your troubles, your joys? When's the last time you thought about just drawing near to God and praying simply for the reason of enjoying God, knowing more about Him? As we align our priorities, our desires, our thoughts, our behaviours with what God prescribes, the more we can rely and rest upon God. We can live in a relationship with Him and live in a way that He designed us to live. Because God promises that as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. What a great promise. So let me challenge you. Why don't you try pray once a day if you're not already? Whether it's the first thing you do or the last thing you do in the day. Maybe it's when you walk the dog. Maybe it's the first five minutes of getting on the bus in the downtime you have. Pray. Start small. Pray something simple. But just enjoy that time with God. Bring your, tro- uh, your joys and troubles before Him. And if you already do that, why don't you up the ante? Pray for the world. Find things to pray for. Fill your spare time with prayer. I'd love for us to be a church that soaks in prayer and soaks up enjoying that time with God. So that's the first thing. So when being a Christian loses its shine, remember who you are and draw near to God. Second thing, let us hold unswervingly. When the Christian life loses its shine, what else can we do? Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, I catch the bus every single morning, and I catch the bus every night. And there is one thing I absolutely cannot trust, and that's for the bus to come on time. No matter how many times I've caught the bus and how many times it's come on time, and I miss it because it's my fault, I still never trust the bus. And that's because I've been in situations where it hasn't come before, and then half an hour later, there's two buses. Or sometimes it just doesn't come. I will never trust the bus. We've come to live our lives a bit like that as well, haven't we? Is there anyone you trust 100%? no matter how many times they've proven themselves to you, there's always going to be that sliver of doubt. Don't trust anyone. That's what we're taught to do from a very young age. And the saddest thing is that this mindset's also affected the way we think about God. God's not faithful. God can't be trusted. Do we say these things to ourselves? Do we live in a way that we show we trust ourselves more than we trust God? But God's promises never fail. In fact, all of Hebrews up to this point, and actually all of the Bible, shows us how God proves his promises time and time again. We have a hope which has been promised to us that we will spend eternity with God and that he doesn't make us wait. By being in a close relationship with him, He knows what we're going through day by day. 
He lives with us intimately and he helps us change us into who we were created to be. There's a story of a painter. He once painted a panel of roses and that painting was highly praised by all the critics. It was a very small picture, but to him it was perfect. It was his best work and he was very proud of it. Over the years, people would come up to him and offer him a lot of money to buy this painting, but he'd refuse to sell every single time. And that's because whenever he was discouraged and doubtful of his abilities, he would look at the painting and remind himself, I painted that. And then his confidence and abilities would come back. Just like the painter, we also have a little painting that gives us confidence whenever we feel lost. It reminds us of who we are. But it's not something that we've done. It's the Bible. By looking into God's word, we can be reminded of the promises he's promised to us. Because you see, our hope is rooted in the fact that God would send his son to open the way through his body's sacrifice so that we could have VIP access to him. What a great promise. So when life loses its shine, the faith in this hope is what anchors us through life. When's the last time you opened your Bible to find out more about God, not just use that as a self-help book? And don't get me wrong, you can definitely, you know, open up the Bible app and whatever verse pops up, it's very encouraging. I know that from personal experience. But how about reading God's word for simply knowing him better? Not just to criticize the Bible or find out what's wrong, but to know God better. Much like our first point. Build it into your routine. Start small. Maybe start with one verse a day. Better to chew on one verse than to read a whole chapter and forget it straight away. So where do you anchor your life? Is it in wealth, stability, relationships? How about putting your trust in the promises and character of God? Let him show you who he is through his word. So when being Christian loses its shine, remember who you are and don't let go of the hope of Christ. That's the second point. Our last point now. Let us spur one another on. So far we've gone through this whole passage thinking about how it all relates to me as an individual. How God has opened up the way for me to have a relationship with him. How I should hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess and trust in the God that's faithful to me. And it's true. What a great privilege it is that we have in Christ that we can enter the most holy place. But hey, let me tell you, it's not easy to do it alone, especially when life gets hard and loses its shine. It's not easy to remember who we are and not let go of Christ. And the author of Hebrews knows this. So we now come to verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you look back into the chapter, do you see how each verse starts with let us? How we have confidence to enter the most holy place? How we are to hold fast to the hope? How we are to consider how to help one another towards loving good deeds? Corinthians 12.13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. That's being saved into one body, not 150 bodies. A few years ago, a bunch of us would go to Easter Fest every year. Now, for those who don't know, Easter Fest was a festival over Easter where Christian artists from across all the world would come and gather in Toowoomba, of all places, and hold a Christian music festival. And for whatever reason, I think it's a tradition, every time we went, it would be raining super hard and be super windy. So as my friends and I waited hours and hours on the open fields for Colin Buchanan to come out, we figured the only way to survive and the only way to keep warm was to huddle together like penguins. And we did stay warm. You can ask those guys if you know who they are. Just like penguins, when we come to Christ, we need to stick together. How often is Western culture all about the individual? You do you. It's all about your happiness, your desires. Relying on others is weak. No, it should be, we do we. I know that sounds terrible, and I'm not sure if it's grammatically we do us, but how do we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? What can you do to help your brother or sister be more loving, do more good deeds, and ultimately be more like Christ? What can you do to help your brother or sister remember the confidence that they have and help them to draw near to God and hold unswervingly to that hope? Any ideas? Well, thanks for being here at church. Come to church regularly. I know COVID's knocked us around a little bit, but if you find yourself watching church from home a lot, maybe it's time to start thinking. Am I staying home simply because it's comfortable? And if you do come very often, are you coming for yourself or are you coming for others? I know that everyone's circumstances are different and sometimes Sunday church isn't possible. Work, other commitments. But remember, we're called to be one body. And when we're gathered here today, we reflect what worship will be like in heaven. When we come to church, we encourage those around us by supporting each other and reminding each other of the faith that we have Here's a, picture, a few pictures of me of my cousins over the years. Uh, we gather about once or twice a year, usually during Christmas or New year, Chinese New Year, some sort of holiday. Uh, you can see us getting older. So, but whenever we get together, we always have a great time. There's always a lot of eating and drinking. We play a lot of games. When we were young, we'd run around the yard. When we were teens, we'd play Just Dance and you know, sing karaoke. Now we just... Um, sit and eat. So, <laughs> but what I love about this time is that although we all come from different walks of life, different upbringings, different motivations, 
We're all bonded together as one family, and we just love being in each other's company. If we didn't meet up together over the years, I don't know how close we'd be. Well, church is family as well. Don't do this alone. Don't come to church and hide in the crowd. Sing loudly during the songs. Be active. Don't be shy. And let me tell you, from personal experience, there's something very surreal about sitting in the front rows of church and just not singing and letting yourself listen to everyone else sing behind you, praising God together. So why don't we today, with today's final song, sing loudly, not to just encourage each other, but to also encourage the music team. When's the last time you went up and said, good job? Sing off tune. Clap off beat. Raise your hands. Don't let what others think holds you back. You can't get rid of family. During the pre-sermon question or after the service, share honestly if you have a burden. Let others share that struggle. If you're in the life group and someone shares something difficult, pray for them. And in turn, why don't you allow yourself to share as well? Don't just discuss the weekend. How about turning to them and asking them, how can I pray for you? What's been going on? So that's the third thing. When life loses its shine, remember who you are and spur each other on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting with one another. So as the final day approaches, when Jesus returns, don't put these things off for another week. Don't let it be something that you'll think about and maybe do. Do it now. Do it today. And if you're not yet a Christian and you're wondering what this hope we hold on to is all about, I encourage you, find out more. Come have a chat with me, Pastor Matt, Pastor Iggy, life group leaders, anyone, your friend who brought you along. Find out more. We'd love to share about what it means to be Christian and welcome you into this family. So how will you live your life when it seems to lose its shine? How do we continue being a Christian in a world that doesn't fancy us being Christians? How do we keep going when the final day of Christ's return, bringing fulfillment of all of God's promises, seems so far away? Know who you are. You have VIP access to God through his son Jesus. Draw near to God. Hold fast to the hope of his promises and spur your brother on or sister on towards love and good deeds. And if you're doing all these already, great. Do it some more. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the promises you've given to us. We pray that as we persevere until the end of days that, yeah, we'll stick together. We'll remember these promises to draw near to you, to hold unswervingly to that hope. And thank you, Lord, for bringing us into the family that we can remember who we are. So, Father God, we thank you once again for listening to our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Zeke. Remember who we are, and it changes everything how we live. 
um, take a couple of minutes of things that really struck you or even rebuked you. Um, Take a couple of minutes to reflect what God is telling you through his word today.